My name is Belinda Granger and I'm the professional liaison for Challenge Family. I'm also known throughout the triathlon world as being a bit of a mother hen to the pro athletes. Of course, given the current circumstances, I've been thinking about the athletes a lot lately. So we came up with the idea of Coffee Calls with Belinda, which basically gives me and you an opportunity to check in with them all and see how they're all going. So welcome to the official Challenge Family podcast. I think it's time for a coffee. Okay, welcome back to Coffee with Belinda. I have a very special guest with me, with me today, uh, no other than Sarah Crowley. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Belinda. It's uh, it's actually good to be training up in your neck of the woods for a little bit while we're uh, in COVID lockdown. Um, yeah, I've just come up here just to have uh, a bit more sunshine. Yeah, it's, it is actually a little bit strange, isn't it, that I have to do this uh, podcast call when you're literally only living about Two, less than two kilometres away from me. But, um, yeah, you, obviously you're from Brizzy, but uh, let's talk about that for a bit. You actually are based in Brisbane. Um, major- well, majority of the year, I'd like to say, but as a professional athlete, obviously you would be travelling right now. Where would you be right now if Corona yeah. didn't exist? If Corona didn't exist, I think I might have been doing an Asian triathlon this weekend, like a half Ironman, but gearing up for Vietnam, um, Challenge Vietnam. Um, no, Ironman Vietnam before I head over to uh, Mallorca for a couple of weeks <laughs> uh, for my lead up to the Challenge, um, the Collins Cup, and then from there heading to St. Moritz for, for a month before Challenge Roth and then uh, the US for my Kona prep. So, yeah, we're sort of getting to the meaty end of training right now, um, which, yeah, sort of we really did put the uh, the brakes on in the last few weeks and focused on my health and just checking through all those kind of things. And yeah, it's, it's been a bit strange, but I think I finally sort of got my head around it and starting to get into a little bit more of a routine with the training. And what, one thing I do like about you, Sarah, is, you know, obviously you knew that we were going to be in lockdown. No one was going anywhere and it was all around the world. Um, instead of just saying, oh, well, this is where I'm going to be for the next so, so months, you actually d- thought really quickly and thought, okay, where can I go where I actually can do some training where I can be comfortable for the next month, two months, three months, who knows? Um, and you actually moved up to, to Noosa, up to the Sunshine Coast. And so what was the reason behind that? Yeah, so I had, um, I did have the sort of the feelers out trying to work out what we could do. And I mean, obviously the the biggest challenge was if we did leave the country, whether you could get back in and what that sort of meant, whether you'd get stuck quarantining and those kind of things. So in the end, um, you know, the, the sort of natural facilities that are provided up by, uh, on the Sunshine Coast are second to none. The, the temperature is perfect and the training is just fantastic. So, um, yeah, we didn't have to look too far. It was only a sort of an hour and a half north. And, um, yeah, it's just nice that you just don't have that inner city vibe that you get in this, you know, the big cities. So you're sort of separated from people more naturally here. And, um, yeah, I can go about my business in, in privacy and quiet and just train around the hinterland and those sort of things without having too many interruptions. And, um, yeah, I can just roll out of bed and get training, which is really nice. Um, yeah, I think it was just getting a little difficult in Brisbane. You sort of have to drive a bit more to train and the access to the pools was very limited. Access to open water swims is pretty limited. Um, so, yeah, I kind of saw it happening in Europe and um, fortunately for us we had a little bit of warning. So I just put my head down and sort of, you know, with my coach and had a look around at what we could do and uh, ordered a treadmill and a few other things. And luckily I've got a 
I'm a Wahoo athlete, so we've got those kind of things. And, yeah, I can do a lot of training inside, but it's also nice to be able to go out when you, when you need to. So, yeah, how good's the Sunshine Coast? <laughs> yeah, and I must, have, I must admit we're having pretty good weather too. So I, I know you've been doing quite a bit of tr- uh, swim training in the uh, beach down at Noosa, and it's, it's like having a gigantic pool at your doorstep. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, that bay is so sheltered, so it's quite easy to swim in there for as long as you need to. And, yeah, I mean, it, of course, it's never ideal because it's difficult to, to do the sets the way you would normally do them. But, you know, it's it's a luxury compared to a lot of people to actually be able to swim. And, you know, a couple of the swim sets, I mean, even today, it was quite, quite a good intensity. And, uh, yeah, and I think it's good just to be able to maintain what we can and, um, yeah, I can still supplement with some other cords and, and those sort of things that everyone else is doing at home. And it, and it definitely beats some of the uh, the makeshift pools that we've been seeing uh, pop up on Instagram around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's fantastic when these sort of things spur creativity. But the, I don't know. I don't know. There's, uh, I think there's probably other training you could be doing that might help you in the long run other than some of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think um, – yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of gym workout that might do something a little bit better, but who knows? I think it's going to have to suck it up when it's like that and accept it for what it is and not waste your time with a lot of those solutions. But um, I think tethered swimming, though, is still pretty good. I'd definitely tether from the feet, not from the waist. I've seen a lot of tethering from the waist and it changes the stroke too much. But if you stick a pool boy in and tether from the feet, like, yeah. a, band, like a band, it seems to be, for me, I think that's a better solution. It keeps your, your hips up. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good option if you if you can at least get a backyard pool. But it's still it's a long time to be spending spending doing that. I do have a training partner of mine that actually is doing that at the moment. And um, mm. I admire her, uh, yeah, for being able to keep going back every day doing that. But it's, it is a, it's a solution for now. It is. And, and look – um, we've got a little bit of good news tonight. I think uh, our Prime Minister was saying that he may look at lifting some of the um, sanctions or some of the, the stay-at-home um, that's on us now in about four weeks' time. So maybe, maybe, you know, another month, six weeks, and we might be some, back to something of reasonable normality. But, you know, it's, who knows? Who knows? So I think you've got it, you've got it pretty good for now anyway. Yeah, I'll just keep training. I mean, it's like having a bit of a an injury or a stress fracture. The whole world's got one and we just you, you never accept it for what it is. And, yeah, I think it kind of feels a bit like that. Um, yeah, and you've just got to work with what you've got and it's not forever and no. that's that's the main thing and just got to keep working with what we can do and hopefully come out the other side with some level of fitness. Definitely. Oh, well, I, I definitely think you will. I mean, everyone up here still looks like they're in pretty good shape, that's mm. for sure. Now, listen, can we go back a bit? Because, you know, Sarah, obviously I've known you forever, but then, you know, I've been in the sport that long. I seem to know everyone forever. Um, well, that's what it feels like. But, you know, obviously I knew you way back in the day when you were only doing, you were really only concentrating on Olympic distance racing. Um, mm. How long have you actually been in the sport of triathlon for all up oh, now? Wow. I think was maybe when I was 19. Wow. So it's it's actually a long time now, Glinda. It's like 18 yeah. years. Far out. Yeah. You know how you count your seasons and the first few years I'm like, wow, wow, I've already done three years. Wow, I'm getting experience. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I mean, I was racing probably ITU at 26, 25, yeah. 26. So, yeah, it still took a few years to get to that sort of, like, world level. But um, And then, yeah, I didn't switch to the long stuff until probably 2010, 2011. 
So it's almost 10 years in the long course now. Oh, okay. See, that I didn't even realise you'd been in long course racing that long. So that's that seems to have gone really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I did my first half at Port Macquarie in 2011. I did some cycle racing for a um, continental women's team uh, straight after ITU, but while I was working. Um, and then I raced halves for quite a number of years just on the side while I was working. Um, and then I didn't do a full into 2015 at Cairns. So, okay. Okay, yeah, so that's a long time without a fall. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny. When did you actually? So why why did you? Well, you know when now, but why did you decide to move into the longer distances? Um, what made you move from ITU distance? Just you'd done, you'd gone as far as you could. Um, yeah, well, I'd always sort of been told that that they'd done enough with my swimming. There isn't much more they could do. The, the level I got to with my swimming was what they could achieve with based off my fitness level and stuff. So. Um, I wasn't really provided with any other solutions. Um, and so obviously that's heartbreaking um, that, you know, despite having a really good run, you can't do much more. Um, and at the time I just didn't feel like there was any options for me. Um, although my current coach mentored me a little bit then and actually said, oh, I've got someone that maybe you could go speak to. Um, at the time I didn't sort of take him up on that advice and I probably should have. Um, so... <laughs> And then I sort of just went back to work because it's sort of off the back of an injury and work was sort of, oh, you've been a few years of leave of absence, what do you want to do now? So I sort of thought, well, it's probably time to, to head back to the office. So so I did that and then, yeah, I don't know, I did some, just did some running for a while and I had, um, yeah, this o o opportunity to go and do about three of the National Road Series races, um, which was super cool. Um, and that made me think about doing long course because – Obviously, you spend four or five days doing cycling. Um, mm. It sort of developed a little bit more strength in my riding that year. So off that, I did my first full, uh, first half, sorry, at Port Macquarie. Um, and I was terrible. Um, I ran <laughs> so fast for the first 10Ks and then I ran so slow for the second 10 <laughs> So it was um, a good experience though and I really enjoyed it. And, I, yeah, I just went back for more, I guess. Uh, I didn't race another one until probably Gunda Windy, which was probably about three or four months later. I was pretty right. slow the first few getting going. But, yeah. Wow. And now, listen, don't take offence to this because I certainly yeah. don't mean to be offend to offend you. But obviously I've, I have known you for a long time and I've always known that you've, ha you've had an extreme amount of talent. We all know that. We can see it now, of course. But it just seemed like back in the – and it's in exact times that you're talking about when you were just sort of um, still working but still dabbling in triathlon, you just started to do long course but you were still working, that you couldn't fully – or not couldn't or wouldn't. I don't know what the answer is here. wouldn't fully commit. Um, you were still working a lot which meant mm -hmm. that you could, only, you could only train a certain amount of time. So you seem to get to a certain level and then sort of stay there. But once you did decide to full to go full-time, so to 100% commit to triathlon and being a professional triathlete, your rise was unbelievably quick. Um, do you regret not making the decision earlier? Because oh, it's obvious to me uh, yeah. <laughs> that you've got what it takes to be one of the best in the world. I mean, you are now. So do you ever look back and go, shit, I should have given up work a bit earlier? Um, yeah, I wish I took Cam's advice back in 2011 or 10. It's on my Facebook. It's like, <laughs> oh, so there's wow. a note, there's a note. It's like, how do I get an Ironman license? Oh, here's, here's a, here's a link to, you know, getting 
the long course licensing and how you race long course races and, oh, I've got a guy, that you, which obviously is Brett Sutton, that, you know, might help your swim. And I just didn't even register it at all. Like now I look back and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what was that? But, yeah, he did mention that because I used to swim a little bit with Cam and Caroline and, um, yeah, when they used to do some swimming at like Kiwana and stuff years ago. So, known him for a long time but you know it just the the cards aligned when it did you know I guess mm. I was getting quite frustrated with in 2014 I won an Australian duathlon title I did an Ironman in Malaysia and was like fourth but I won a half I was just all over the place doing different lengths of races different you know racing different distances different locations different I just had no idea what I was doing so um <laughs> And I, you know what, I was just like, I'm just going to commit to fixing my swim. And if it doesn't change, or well, I've had my last go, it was like my last push. If I, if we can change my swim, we can, I'm pretty fit, I'll get fitter very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah and then I was really fortunate that at the same time, Cam was coming back from his um, role as a director of a cycling team just right then. And, and um, he was also getting, I guess, in that first year, I had a lot of time with him to fix it because um, I was sort of his own, one of his only athletes. Plus, we also travelled to to see Brett and and that. So I got a lot of mentoring for my mm-hmm. stroke, and I committed pretty hard. I said I I went so backwards when I first changed it. I was so slow, like slowest, like ridiculous. Um, and I just ignored any negative thoughts about it and just said, well, it's, it's this way or it's nothing. So. Just do it. And then uh, I think I raced New Caledonia in 2016 and Radka was there and Radka won the race. But um, afterwards I looked at my swim time and it was no real different to what I'd swum before. So I'm like, well, within the space of like three or four weeks, we've got it at least back to where it was. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, let's just go with this and see what happens. And then, yeah, it kind of probably towards the back end of 16. I mean, I didn't have a great Kona in 16 and it was my first one. Um, but we did a swim block just directly after it. And then I went to Bahrain and I actually got out and Joe Spindler was there and he called out the distance to Caroline out the water. It was only like 30 seconds. I'm like, wow. what on earth is happening here? <laughs> so, and then, um, yeah, there was some really good signs then in the early parts of 17. And then by the end of 17, it had all changed. So, um, yeah, and it seems to keep still improving. So Absolutely. Improving. Huh? I mean, yeah. you're, you're a front pack swimmer. End of story. Like yeah. right up the front. Which yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure you would never have believed if I had have told you that you know a few years ago. But it's if, funny you talk about if someone would have told me that I, I would ever have swum the fastest women's time at the Hola Ala swim, <laughs> it was under fifty minutes, and you would get out with the men. I would have just been like, nah, it's not even possible. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, well, look, look, and the funny thing with Soto is, I have to admit, because obviously I did the same thing. I was um, being coached by my husband at the time, Justin, and he, he said, look, I'm sorry, but I've taken you as far as I can. I can't do anything for you. And so I actually technically went to Sutter to try and improve my running. And it did improve a little bit, but what did improve was my swim and bike. So ridiculous. But I don't know what it is with Sutter because it's it's certainly if a swim coach saw what Sutter did with everyone swim, or the non-swimmers swimming, they would cringe, wouldn't they? But oh, it, oh. it works. It works. Yeah, I mean, it's really taking it from a triathlon perspective as opposed to a swim or a bike or a run perspective, and I think it wraps it all up really well. And, yeah, I mean, 
or time again, you see people when they swim and they use so much energy in the swim and, you know, even just improving. I mean, you may not even improve your swim, but you might even unlock your bike or your run as yes, well just from. exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened to me in the end. It was it was quite ridiculous. But, yeah, so let's talk about Cam. Now, you've been – so obviously you've been with Cam for quite some time now. Mm. Uh, he's done wonders for – I mean, you, you, you're a great team together. It's obviously working. Mm. And Cam's got quite a quite a good squad now, and he's, he's actually getting a reputation for being a force to be reckoned with as far as long-distance mm. uh, racing goes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I – have pretty much taken the I, I really took the approach from the start that I'll just kind of do what I'm told kind of thing and uh you know not I mean obviously I'll question things if I think that they're not right for me or whatever but I've really just been quite compliant I'm uh probably not particularly um yeah I don't I don't you know oh, I probably do a few things that I shouldn't do with my running because I love running and I do <laughs> take that a bit bit far sometimes but I'm gen- generally very compliant I didn't haven't missed much training I've had a lot of little injuries that people probably aren't aware of over the last few years but we've worked through them really well together um and then generally I think the best thing that's happened that I've done is really just followed what he's said for the sort of predictive racing and your form and stuff and I think um having faith in his choices around the racing and and when to be, be- in your best form and shape mm-hmm. rather than racing all the time we never have approached the year to race for money or or events we've always raced when we need to race um and try to be in the best shape for those races to then perform the best at the the world championship and i reckon a lot of athletes fall into this they fall into this thing where they just sort of chase their tail all year racing 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 and they've probably got a lot of talent a lot of them but then they get to hawaii and they're just not they're not there. They're not ready. They're not peaking. There's no, there's no change in their performance for that mm. race. And, um, yeah, I'm certainly not going to go about given that I've spent so much time in the sport already and, um, I've invested a lot of my time and effort into being as good as I can be. I'm really going to go in for those big races. And yeah, that's sort of the approach we've always taken. And, and he's kind of then taken that across, I, I guess that across to the other athletes as well now. And they're sort of, I guess they see that as the the level and the expectation, and so yeah, everyone's sort of improving. Um, yeah, it's really good. It's a good environment. Um, I do, however, spend quite a bit of time training on my own, and I always sort of have, and that just works well for me. And um, maybe with one other training partner or something. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Cam's theories and philosophies have worked really well across across the group. That's for sure. And Sarah. With the group, is it predominantly females or is there, there are males as well? I'm, I suppose what I'm trying to do now is compare him a little bit to Sato. Um, obviously, Sato has had more success with females than he has with the males. That's not to say he hasn't had any success with his male athletes, but t- let's be honest, um, he's made so many females into absolute champions. You know, mm. Chrissy Wellington, Daniela Riff, um, even with me, you know, I won majority of my um, Ironman titles because, when I was under Sato, and I know most athletes did as well that were under females. Is Cam sort of the same? Do you feel, do you feel that he's he's doing a better job with the with or having more? Sorry, not a better job. That's not the way I wanted to put it. Having more success with the females than he is with the males. Yeah, I mean, it's always hard to say is it the chicken or the egg. So yeah. obviously, a lot of athletes in our squad will probably look at my performance improvement, and then that's like a very good sales document for someone mm. else to come in and go. I want that too. Um, so I think 
there's a bit of a combination of that. Plus, the, I think, I mean, in all honesty, a lot of the training philosophies really work real well with girls. Like yep. some of the yep. stuff, it's obvious. It just you just get stronger than everyone else. Um, with the men, they take longer. It's a longer proposition. Um, but in our squad, we do have some really good males, but they're not maybe in the real long course stuff. They're in the sort of, you know, um, I guess ITU to sort of only got Max Newman. I guess he's yep. in, in that middle distance and ITU range. So um, and they're going really well. So I guess, yeah, I mean, Cam's seen all the sport from the short course guys, uh, you know, um, in back in the 2000s through to a lot of the long course stuff now. So he's he's got a good background across everything in males and females. So I feel like, um, you know, I'd say he's probably a little bit more balanced. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do have men in a lot of men in our squad and they're doing reasonably well. They're just young. And yeah, yeah. time will tell. They take longer men. They really do. It's hard because they want – they want the outcome that these big, strong, you know, 30, 32, 33, 34-year-old men have got and they're, they're at 20 and they're yeah. racing them. It's like it takes years to get that strength. Uh, it's, a long, it's a long game. Absolutely. But, yeah, it's funny you bring up Maxi Newman because obviously he's incredibly talented and, and he's had some great success already. And I think, yeah, give him a few more years and he's going to be a, an absolute world better. There's no doubt about that. Mm. I mean, he's still growing. He grew yeah. the other year. <laughs> he was looking funny on his bike, and Cam's like, "What's going on here?" And then he real they realised that he's grown, <laughs> so he's still got a bit of time. <laughs> well, how, how old is Max now? Oh, I don't even know. Maybe tw- I don't know. They're so young. I just call them yeah. young. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so sad, sad, sir. Because I look at you and think of you as young. So uh, what's that? What's that saying? God. <laughs> Oh. Uh, anyway, now listen, one thing I've always uh, really admired about you right back from the get-go when I first met you is just your straight-up attitude. Now, we spoke about this the other day. Um, you know, you don't play games. You don't tell people what you think they want to hear. You basically just tell it as it is, as it is in your eyes. Um, so if you turn up to a race, like you said, a race that you've peaked for, um, if you want to – and you, you, you're there to win. You're not there to just – make up numbers you know if you want to win a race and that's what you tell people so if you're at a press conference and someone says oh how are you going uh, how's your form you know you're not one of these people that says oh well you know I'm, I'm going okay things have been pretty good but I'm just going to give my best no you'll go out there and you'll say you know I'm I'm here I want to win mm. um and I find and it, it really frustrates me with with women's racing is it's almost like they don't they don't want to commit to that or they don't want to admit that because they might come across as being uh, people thinking they're a little bit cocky. Um, but at the end of the day, this is your profession. This is what you train to do. You train to race and you and you race to win. I mean, to me, that seems obvious. And when you hear a lot of the professional men speak at press conferences or in interviews, that's exactly what they say. I mean, I don't mm. hear Cam Worth turning up to a press conference saying, yeah, I'm, I'm racing for fifth place today. Yeah. Um, so what exactly is wrong with saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in great shape and I'm here to win? Um, it just it it doesn't seem like it's something that you do, and that's what I've always really respected about you. Yeah, well, I think I mean for me, I I guess we set those races out pretty early in the year, and as you know, I mean sometimes I guess more recently with people showing a bit more interest, you kind of make them public so people know what you're going to be aiming for. Um, I guess for me, it's probably not so much about 
I wouldn't out, I mean I guess I do go to those races to win of course but winning for me is producing my best performance um and that depending on the situation circumstances can vary um I don't know why people wouldn't say that I mean why would you even be racing if you're not going to try and produce your best performance um so I guess and it's not you don't need to a racehorse doesn't sit in the gates and go, oh, I'm just going to, like, run. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, I mean, people don't bet on the horse because they might go right. Like, you, you're there to race. You're there to win, I guess. You're there to perform. Um, it's courage to say it, I guess. Or, I mean, it's, and it, I guess you don't need to outwardly say it. I guess you probably just know it from within. Um, but I know the big hitters we all appreciate and respect each other enough to know that we're all trying to do that. And it's on the field that you're racing hard, but you know, obviously everyone's pretty understanding outside of that and quite friendly and, and whatnot. So I, I don't know, maybe it's just a little bit of, I mean, to me that's that reservedness and that is actually something that can probably be exploited in a race. If you're not confident enough, um, mm. confident, it's probably like another reason why uh, certain people always sort of, take championship titles because they just take them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that brings me to another point. So can you tell me when you are racing, so obviously I know every professional athlete goes into a race um, knowing what, what training they've done, what they are capable of on the day. So obviously particularly when you're racing long-distance racing, um, you need to keep with between those realms. You're obviously not going to be redlining it from the start to stay with someone if you know you're not going to be able to do that for 180k, I, I'm I'm fully aware of of racing within your means. But let's be honest: when you are out there racing, um, one of the expressions that I'm telling you, it excuse my language, it pisses me off, and and it's I hear everyone say it. So not just females, but males, is that oh, I'm just going to go out there and race my own race. Oh shit, no, I, oh, no, I can't. <laughs> It is yeah. no. You're not in control of the no, race. No. no, and if that's the case, then why, why do you turn up to race? Because the actual essence of racing is to race other people. Yeah. And I just nothing makes me more angry that when when I hear someone an athlete say that at a press conference, I'm just going to race my own race, and then you know if that happens to and and a perfect example is you in Kona last year against Lucy Charles. So mm. I'm sure you had your race plan that you and Cam had worked out, no doubt. But yeah, as you, you have said, to. Mm. You have to. Of course you've got to go in there with, with probably two, three, four different case scenarios. Mm. But at the end of the day when you find yourself with, what was it? I'm not sure when you actually caught Lucy, but, you know, you find yourself in a situation where, okay, you know, I'm right up here with, with Lucy Charles. Uh, I'm, I want to try and get to the finish line before her. And if that means you're going to have to write, run out of your comfort zone, then so be it. But you're not going to look at your heart rate and go, oh, well, shit, you know, I'm, I'm 10 beats over what I should be. I better back it off. I mean, that's an opportunity you don't waste. Dude, I was running outside of my race that whole run. Like, yeah. if, that, if that hadn't happened, that little blow up, if you look at my run time, it would have been another two minutes quicker that there was like a section of Ks there that were just a couple of seconds off. But I was on track for a super quick run. Um and so, and I feel like for me, that was probably a lack of energy. I, I did actually like not have a gel at like 35 Ks, which is just totally fatal. But, you know, basically, yeah, I was going out there to hunt her down. Yep. <laughs> um, that was the only solution to get another position. That was the, probably at that point, the only possible outcome that could have been better for me would have been to have caught Lucy. 
So I'm not going to go sit on, oh, I'll just race at this run speed because that's what I – like I knew I'm, I'm cap- you're capable of so much more. Um, you're not going to be stupid about it. And obviously when Lucy passed me back, I knew that if I went any harder then I would have been, you know, like a – it would have been an – Oh yeah, it would have been like Sean Welsh or whatever. I would have been on the ground, like it would. <laughs> oh, but I, like honestly, like it, you know. I mean, that's what I had to be obviously cognizant of, like you know that little bit of extra push. But there's no way I wasn't going to go chase her because that's this is the best bit of the whole year. Like <laughs> that's what you look forward to those challenges. That's why you do sport to see what you're capable of. And um, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, there's people that do do that and they. Or they – one thing that frustrates me, and this pisses me off actually, is when people say they want to do a certain runtime or a certain – like that is just ridiculous. Ridiculous, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like who even cares? Like <laughs> one, if you don't win the race, but secondly, like it, it's not even like some of these races, the weather conditions change, the the competition changes, the tactics change, the, the distances aren't always accurate. It's like you – it's just ridiculous. So you're actually not going in to actually perform your best race to give you the best outcome. You're just going to try and run a certain time or ride a certain time or be the fastest bike. Split. I'm like, what is that? that um... I agree. I agree. I just, it baffles me. But I think Sarah, that's why you always seem to be able to step it up. Not just one or two steps, sometimes three and four for these big championship races, because you are a racer. And mm. I think it's, it's really interesting to see that there are, quite a few athletes out there that just they seem to perform well in, in the lower races or where there's not so much pressure um, and, and have these amazing training sessions. But then when it comes to the big-time races like the World Championships, they just don't seem to be able to step it up. But you've always been able to do that. And and you seem to be able to always take something away every year and come back the next year with, you know, extra ammunition in, in, your, in your race belt, so to speak. Yeah, well, the problem is everyone else is. So it's um, this it's just so ridiculous how well I raced last year. Personally, I was so proud of that effort. And then you're still like, we're still not there. Like it's still getting faster. Um, yeah. It's remarkable. Uh, like these performances you're starting to see now are like would have been brilliant performances five years ago, but now they're just yeah, you just sort of stirred. It's like it's an it's incredible. Um. But I guess that's what brings the best out of us and, you know, there's little changes that we make each year that kind of try and tweak that and maybe someone doesn't get it right on race day. Um, Like that's kind of where it's getting to now. I mean, this year I guess Daniela didn't dominate Mm -hmm. so much. Uh, It really comes down to if that sort of performance doesn't happen, it really comes down to everyone's plan going exactly to like, you know, you well, not so much your plan but, you, you know, every single element of your race falling into place um and then that person will kind of win it's oh i mean for me it was almost a perfect race last year and i just lacked a bit of energy in a certain point um yeah and then annie had a brilliant run that she went out so hard i just like was blown away by her run um so yeah i mean those things could go different ways but you just got to keep keep moving forward and keep trying to improve um yeah it's uh (laughs) yeah at this time of year, it's quite insurmountable to think of the level that I have to get to by then. But we've I, got know, I can imagine still to do some work. So. <laughs> oh, it is actually. It's an interesting point you just brought up. You know, obviously last year's race at the World Champs, it was. I mean, I was here watching all day at home. You know, on the computer, didn't leave it. Um, and it was just fascinating to watch because obviously, you know, obviously Daniela wasn't having a great day, 
none of us really cared at the beginning because we thought, well, she can afford not to have a great day. But then, you know, obviously the day went on, the day went on, and it became obvious, well, Daniela is not going to be in the top five. That's just mm. the way it's going to be. Did you girls know, did you women know that? Did you know that that she was out going to be out of the picture, that she was going to be a non-event? And, no. and did it change your mindset at all at, at any stage? Um, no, the whole time I was expecting her to ride up and yep. come past like the year before where she just yep. blew it away. Um, it just didn't happen. In fact, it was kind of strange and I should have probably known this like right from about, I guess, Wakelow on the way out because – she hadn't passed us yet and she was in that swim group. So it, she just wasn't on. Um, but the whole time we still had that feeling that she would come through from from behind. From but, behind. yeah, um, once we got onto the run, though, I knew that was probably it for her. Like I didn't expect to see her. And then you just concentrate on, on the here and now and who's around you. And obviously, as you yeah. said, Anne was having a phenomenal run. Lucy mm. was there but she was, you know, within, within your grasp. Mm. Um, so – Pretty interesting, and also interesting because you raced to Challenge Roth last year for the first time, mm, and that that again was a great race between uh, Lucy and yourself. Mm. Uh, so I can't wait. I'm actually so disappointed that uh, Challenge oh, no, me too. Roth was cancelled <laughs> this year. It's the one race that honestly I can sort of wrap my head around every other race not being on. But when uh, Felix rang me and said we're going to have to cancel, I did, I, I'll admit I had a little cry. Um, mm. Because it's just one of those races that you almost think is impenetrable. It's just yeah. always going to be on, and and I was it's so <laughs> exactly, and I was so looking forward to seeing you and Lucy, you know, have another really good crack. And of course, we were having, we we're going to have Anne as well there. So the the big three, we like to call you girls, the big three there. And I think it would have been a cracker of a race because obviously Anne doesn't know the course, you yeah. and Lucy do. So it could have been very very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it would have been brilliant, but. Um... Yeah, we just have to – I mean, that's the thing. These races are all in fantastic preparation too. So the, what what's an interesting thing about this situation now is these later end of the season races is that you don't have the hardened legs that you would normally have by the time we get to them. So we all hit each other up. Like, well, I personally do, and I think Lucy definitely does. We try and hit these harder races to try and actually build our confidence and understand what's um, – you know, we both got a lot out of Roth last year that we would have made changes for for mm. later races like Kona. But this year, this isn't going to happen either. So, you know, maybe we go to if say the World Championship exists, then what do we have before it to lift us to the level that we need and to make and to have that high level of competition that hardens us for that event? It's I know for personally, that's they're the things that get me up to the next level um and it's going to be an interesting year for me personally to try and find a way to do that for the um or whether we just sort of go 2020 is a bit of a write-off um <laughs> yeah. race yeah. what we can and you know maybe not try and perf perform so good and yeah it's this is a hard choice you know I agree, and the hardest choice a lot is of risk goes with that. Risk goes absolutely. with that. You go harder. You train for these races. You put in a lot of effort, and there's a lot of risk of you know injury and everything else. Yeah, mm. yeah, and and just the and just the sheer fact that we just don't know. That's no, I think it's the exactly. one thing that's annoying all of us is that we if someone said to us, okay, racing will return in September, 
then at least you could plan. There's a couple of races in September that you could do to mm. to, to to harden the legs, to, to blow out the cobwebs so that you can get to Kona. But we just don't know. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, very, it's rough. <laughs> it's frustrating, that's for mm. sure. But, mm. um, yeah, speaking of, speaking of Challenge Roth, obviously you were down to do it, like you just said, this year. Uh, definitely looking at returning next year, though. I, I think the race oh, is going to be... Yeah, I'll just carbon copy this year and hopefully we can do it next year. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking at. And, yeah. and I, I, I'd like to just pretend that 2020 never happened, to be honest. And yeah, Yes, always, leap year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Skip it. Well, well, how old do you turn this year? Oh, I'm 37. 37. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> so we all get that year back. That's what I'm hoping. So you Yeah, know, yeah. It didn't exist. No, that would be, that would be, the, that would be the best thing. But, um, yeah, so... You haven't raced. You haven't raced at all this year. Oh no, you've done one race. You got you got a race in earlier this year, didn't you? At Gundwindi. Uh, no, I did Huskinson. So Husky, I did. Uh, Husky, sorry, Husky. Yeah, I did. I actually got a couple. Got a little sneaky race and a little aquathon down in Adelaide done uh, during the tour down under. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, completely out of shape, and then same with Husky. I was probably just. I hadn't even done a brick training session or even a long run at intensity because we've been up in the mountains just running trails. So. Um, that was a bit of a shock, but I did an aquathon on the Friday and then the race on the Sunday, so I was a little blown out by the Ooh. race. But, um, yeah, and then, I mean, it was meant to be an Asian race of some sort in between and then heading overseas uh, or, you know, stopping by in Asia as well on the way over. So, yeah, not to be, but we'll just replan it for next year. I just shifted all my travel on credit to next year and said just do the same thing for next year. So hopefully – Hopefully we're back on track by then. <laughs> well, it sounds exactly like what I've done. Obviously, I'm not racing, but just yeah, I've just uh, carbon copy for next year. Thanks. It sounds like a perfect plan. Yeah. Um, now you did your first virtual race last night. Uh, oh, so tell much. us a little bit about that because I I didn't even know you were doing it, and then when I got up this morning and and got on social media and realised you'd done, it, I thought, oh, that's cool. Sarah's had. Then I realised what bloody time you were up doing it. Um, yeah. So just for our listeners' sake, can you just go through what you did and then tell us what time you actually got up to do this craziness? <laughs> yeah, so um, we only found out like a few days out that there was going to be a pro uh, championship or pro series on Zwift uh, for triathletes. So uh, I guess a call to action was out there for anyone that's a professional um, to to join it. And there was a variety of athletes across the different distances. So it included like long course with myself and say Heather Jackson and Laura Phillip um, and Lucy and then also people from middle distance you're sort of um, you know Holly Lawrence and um, etc and, and then Flora and and Rachel Clammer and you know Lisa Norton who's probably like a riding specialist so there was quite a variety of different athletes Emma Pallant was there so yeah it was pretty cool as you know normally we wouldn't all race against each other except for if it was maybe the Island House or something one of these blasts from the past type you know, invitationals, yep. yeah, yeah, um, and it felt a lot like that. By the way, it was it was brutal. So, uh, but the time zones for me was just really shit. Um, <laughs> as not <laughs> to describe it. Uh, so for me, it was a midnight race. So oh. I, yeah, and then because we didn't really have a heap of notice, we just trained through it. Like I didn't do anything different. Um, and we imagine everyone else would have been the same. I actually hadn't raced on Zwift before. Um. I have only um, pretty much done like invitational type, you know, 
just rides and rides and stuff or just just basically ridden around the island and that sort of stuff so for me it was like what is going on here um is very intense but I basically trained in the morning and had quite a heavy solid ride and then throughout the day I was chilled and then tried to sleep and then I was woken at like 11 20 p.m to get up have a coffee had some lollies a couple of Anzac biscuits so you actually you actually went to bed oh yeah oh my god well, what else? Uh, I would have stayed up. I, I, if I had gone to bed, I would have been done. I'm out. I'm useless. I pretended like it was like a midday nap for a training session in the <laughs> afternoon, but it was just a real late afternoon. <laughs> and, yeah, like I really wasn't even – it was so hard to get my brains to work. It was really funny. So even just setting up for it for me was just like logging into stuff. Everything was a bit difficult, but I gave it a crack. I really I learned a lot out of it actually. If anyone here is listening and you do a Zwift race, just try and stay in the bunch. Don't lead the bunch. Don't break, get broken out of the bunch because in the bunch it's a lot easier. Uh, as soon as you get dropped, you're done. And that can be as little as just a small lapse in concentration. Like you really have to concentrate the whole time. Um, but, yeah, I mean it was fun but brutal. Like, whoo. How long was it? Uh, like 23Ks, maybe it was like 30 or 40 minutes or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But full on. Full on, like full on, like functional threshold. It was real funny actually watching because the group left the line and you can see everyone dropping through power, like through energy systems. Like you get through 40 seconds and everyone's like, Ugh. it's like <laughs> ATP, CTP. And then like three minutes in, it's like, Ugh, everyone drops again. And then you can see, then you get to functional threshold, like 20 minutes and it's like another drop. And it, yeah, it was quite interesting because it sort of happened like almost on money for, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, sports physiology, like in, in motion there. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was quite interesting. Yeah. And um, Flora Duffy was the eventual winner, wasn't she? She was, yeah. yeah. So her and Lucy were out front for quite some time and in a little group. Um, yeah, I didn't see that group because I got dropped. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. But I think it was. I think it was Flora. I think I read um, Flora saying that was her first time. But of course, Flora's such a talented bike rider. Whether it be road bike, tri bike, mountain bike, doesn't matter. Any bike. Yeah, um, machine, machine. Oh. She's amazing. I'm actually really interested. I mean, obviously she she's short course and has dabbled ever so slight lightly into into uh, middle distance racing. But I I seriously cannot wait for the day, and I hope there is a day that she uh, decides to take it on full time, not just um not just yeah. Two- I think it'd be frightening to see uh, what could possibly happen uh, if she did an Ironman event because she's very strong. I think. Um, same with Holly Lawrence too. If oh, they went lot like, real long, because they're strong, yeah, they are strong and they're just incredible athletes. But uh, this seems to happen all the time that we get, especially after each Olympics. Well, at least you guys are barred for any in, from any of the Olympians coming up for now because you've got another uh, another year before that happens. Uh, to, yeah, Olympics being cancelled. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although I, I mean. I, I'm more focused on the really long stuff now, so it's still a little bit of time. I don't look at the sh- the middle distance ones coming up to long. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so speaking of the future, because we haven't got, got to that part yet, uh, what are the plans moving forward? And I'm not talking about immediate plans. Obviously plans right now for all, the entire world is just to get through this sh- shamozzle that we find ourselves in. But uh, for the years down the track, uh, are you still just you know, obviously going to focus on long-distance racing 
um, with an emphasis on, say, Challenge Roth and and the World Championships each year. Mm-hmm. Um, for how much longer have you got? Have you set that far ahead, or you're just going to keep doing it? One while you still love it, and two while you're still bloody good at it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm going to be motivated by improved performance or differences in performance or changes in how I can achieve certain things or or whatnot, and and even sometimes doing different races as well or different combinations of races. But I guess there comes a time. I mean, it's not forever, um, you know. And I'm very cognizant of that. I'm a I've got a, a accounting background and finance background and whatnot, and you know, you know, there's there's the real world out there. But I really would love to stay involved in the sport in some mm-hmm. sort of capacity, and so I'm kind of using this time right now actually to kind of think about what that might look like. Um, so I've been sort of yeah nutting out a few sort of ideas um, around some possible future ventures. Um, you know, it's just down the pipeline, but it, it's always a good idea in anything to kind of always keep those doors open and and roll that ball forward at some point. And so, yeah, that's kind of another really good thing to use this time when maybe the sessions aren't quite as important. Um, You know, you just want to execute the sessions but not stress out about some approaching race. You can actually spend the time to to improve yourself or, uh, you know, get some extra qualification or, or whatnot where you might need it for later. And so, yeah, I'm just sort of looking at those kind of things at the moment, which is a bit of fun actually because I haven't really thought about it for a long time. Um, you know, it's not in immediate future, but it's definitely stuff that I'm sort of putting together right now. So it's kind of cool. No, I think it's the smartest approach and definitely I think it's something that a lot of pro triathletes that get to your stage in the career start thinking about and others that don't and – I get so frustrated when you see some of these pro athletes that just think that this is going to happen forever and they haven't really thought about what am I going to do when this all ends and, and eventually it's going to end. Um, mm. You know, that's why I, I love, you know, speaking of my good friends, Luke and Beth McKenzie, who obviously knew that the time was coming close to re- to retirement and they both sat down and thought about, well, what do we want to do? Do we want to go back to our jobs, our old jobs? You know, Beth was a uh, is a psychologist, a teacher. Um, mm. and the answer was, well, not really. And I was the same when I retired. I didn't want to go back to teaching, phys ed teaching. So mm. you do, you do. I used the last, I think, two or three years of my career to think about what could I do. And I'm like you. I think this sport is addictive. And like mm. I say so many times, it's it's more, even for the professional athletes, it's a lifestyle. So it's not something you just retire from and walk away. Um, mm. I, I know there are athletes that do do that, but they're few and far between. I think a lot of triathletes stay in the sport of triathlon in some capacity for the majority of their life. Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, yeah, it is a lifestyle. It's a, all that goes with it, the, the events and the travel and the, you know, the um, amazing people that you meet. And, yeah. you know, it's just so much fun to be had and the training and the health, you know, and fitness and, the, you know, I just, the, the thought of me going, albeit a fantastic career um, and, all the things that go with a great career in, in, in finance. Um, yeah, it's sort of not really something that I really want to do again. So, yeah, it's just something I've got to come up with an idea and, yeah, sort of nutting out a few options, yeah, at the moment, which is a really good time to be doing it, to be honest. Um, you can do quite a bit of research and also look into some other qualifications that I might need or whatnot uh, in the meantime and get them done. Uh, now when yeah. it, it doesn't really matter and you know it doesn't mean you have to have it 
in your mind, but you know, you might then go at the next event, meet people that you need to meet for that future plan, um, which you may not have thought of if you hadn't spent the time now. So, yeah, yeah. that's and, the idea. And Sarah, you know, obviously, you're one of the best long distance triathletes in the world, so you've set yourself up fairly well financially already. I mean, you were already set up quite well financially because of your your job, mm. um, but now, of course, you've got great sponsors. Um, loyal sponsors and you've been loyal in return you've had some great race results so financially I would imagine you are set up pretty well um but what what about these athletes and let's let's be honest it's majority of professional triathletes out there um this period of time where there are no races um and so obviously no chance of making prize money no chance of making any bonus money from sponsors how do you think these professional athletes are actually surviving right now it would be pretty scary yeah I think it's quite rough um I mean, we're lucky in Australia. Our support network is epic. We've got a very good economy and, um, you know, I'm grateful for that. But in other countries, it's not the same. And so, I mean, I think this, the PTO having, you know, been established is almost in like, you couldn't have come in the, in a better, a better time. time. Yeah, and we're agree. so lucky that people, you know, the, the, um, the sort of the financier of that has stepped up and actually, uh, I guess, supported the athletes right when they really needed it and it happened to be right at the start. And so I think going forward, it's it's good. I think hopefully the athletes will appreciate that and hopefully show back, show and fulfil what they need to fulfil to uh, respect that, that effort because even if it's just a few thousand dollars or whatever it is for, uh, you know, someone ranked – quite low on the the world rankings it's more than they would have had had they not um received had we not signed for the pto and i think um yeah i mean i guess people probably could also use the time maybe then to like yeah it's just sort of try and think of what you're going to do in the future and maybe look at is there any education or something else that you can do in there that can kind of keep you going forward because yeah it could be quite scary to not have another focus um especially when you know, I guess financially and economically it's not looking so good. Um, but I guess in always remember that it's not forever and things will yeah. improve and, yeah. And, and those athletes will be able to do different races to what some mm. other athletes may have to do. There might be some interesting, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what people have to do in the next when racing does start and who does what races to try and, qualify for what we can qualify for it's it's going to be fascinating what the scramble looks like um and there might be some opportunity for everyone else in that no I totally agree and it it will be interesting but you're dead right I I actually had a look through that that top 100 list um obviously the PTO um Mm -hmm. professional triathlon organization organization and there were some names on there that I know uh definitely would have been struggling so for them to come up with that amount of Mm -hmm. money and, I, you know, I also know that down the track the PTO have, have got some really cool races and um, events uh, that they will be announcing and it's it's going to be an exciting time. So you're right, we just need to get through this and it's not like we're going out and spending our money on anything. Uh, mm. My husband my husband gets so excited at the end of the week he comes to me and goes, Belinda, I think you only spent $40 this week. I said, well, what am I going to spend it on? My goodness, I, that's impressive. I, I, I get I take away, <laughs> take away coffee once a day. That's all I can spend my money on. So you know, I think that's the only saving grace that in this time that even though we're, these athletes aren't making any money, we're not really spending any money um, either. So, yeah, yeah but, but really interesting situation. And, um, 
you're dead right. We were thinking about that. I've had some team calls, um, obviously, with with my the company I work with, with Challenge, and we've been thinking about the back end of the year if we are actually allowed to put races on at the end of the year. And so could you imagine the amount of Ironman, Challenge and independent races, and there are going to be that many. Um, mm. And if there are still certain travel restrictions, which means, you know, certain athletes can't even get to certain races, it could be an incredible opportunity for some athletes to actually do quite well when you're dead right. Yes, and then maybe just I don't know how – I mean, this is the thing about sometimes athletes, they're not really thinking about that stuff, but really it's a really amazing – there'll be st- there'll be something where you could just take advantage of, yeah, something that might come up and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it might end up being the best thing you did. So, yeah, I guess it's just being able to train. You can still train. It's free. It's just a matter of making sure that you've got somewhere safe to live and – you know, everything's health. You're healthy and maintain your health, and not go too crazy training because you don't want to compromise your immune system. But um, still, stay as fit as you can so that you've got that sort of ability to ramp it up within eight to twelve weeks when we do know um, what's going to change and how things are going to pan out. But yeah, I think um, thankfully now with the indoor trainers and that we can and treadmills and whatnot, we can still do quite a bit of training, and yeah, and that is free. So exactly, and I tell you what, I've been jealous. Um, flicking through Instagram and seeing everyone's um, pain, <laughs> pain caves and setups. I know Lucy Charles has got a phenomenal setup. Um, mm. Tim and Rini o- O'Donnell have got an amazing setup, and it's mm. like I keep looking at my garage, which is so full of crap. We can, <laughs> barely, we can barely get a car in there, and we've got one treble in. Then I keep saying to Juz, you know, we've got all this time now. We should just empty the garage. I want to, I want to have a pain cave like these people. And he's like, but you're not an athlete anymore. Why does it matter? And I'm like, well, it does matter. No, I want one. <laughs> It matters for Instagram. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> oh, it's so true. But um, listen, I know it's past uh, dinner time now. It's just after seven o'clock. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want you to have to have another late night. See, no. you didn't get. And actually, before I go, how the hell did you get to sleep after that? So it would have gone for around. Oh yeah, hour I had night. A coffee, and then I was on the. I was actually messaging a lot of the girls from the race for a good hour after the race. Like I didn't. Oh. I think it was maybe I was done at like twelve fifty, and I was in bed by like quarter past one, maybe, and then I was on the messenger for another maybe half an hour, and then oh, and my coach was watching as well. So it's like, oh, I don't know, it was so weird. I just fell asleep. I just fell asleep. I was so surprised. You- I had had a coffee, but I didn't have any like Red Bull or anything like this. So okay, so no sugar. No, not really. Just some lollies. A few lollies, but I didn't really. Yeah, I, I didn't feel very well for it. <laughs> <laughs> but you did you did you at least sleep in this morning or not not really? Um, oh, sort of. I slept in for me. I don't sleep a lot, so it doesn't matter. Um, but I did just laze around for the morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, I definitely want you to get to, to bed tonight at a decent Thanks. time. <laughs> no, no alarms set at twelve or at eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, Listen, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. It always is. You're always straight down the line, which I love. Um, don't change. We need more We need more people in the sport like you. But it was, it was great. I'm sure I will see you around the traps because Noose is such a small place. Um, so either here at the pool or, or uh, down the beach. But um, to wave. I mean, we've still got social distancing here, of course. <laughs> although I am allowed to hang out with you. I'm allowed to, we're allowed to have the two people together. So that's not, we're not doing anything. Yeah. No, 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 not breaking any rules. That's good. No, that's yeah. right. 
But um, have a great night and thanks again for talking to me. I'll um, see you soon. Yeah, cheers and thanks for having me. And yeah, it's great to be in Noosa. Uh, we love having you. Thanks, darling. Bye. Thanks for listening to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I really hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to continue listening and stay updated on our latest podcasts, then please subscribe. It would also be great if you could rate our podcast and leave us a review. If you have any specific questions you'd like me to ask the athletes, then please send through to the following email address, podcast at challenge family.com. The making of these podcasts would not be possible without the wonderful help of our great partners. Powerbar, Otso, Zone 3, Lubos Billick at LB Training, Sport No Limit Group and VeloSoc. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon for another coffee.